you know, nobody is immune to sin. That's why I ask Drew and Shelly and White and Farrell. I don't think I ever asked my wife, but everybody that's on stage, sometime or another I'd turn around and I'd ask them, are you saved? Are you right? You can pick the meanest guitar in the world and still not be right. Be in church almost 300 times a year and still not be right. So I counted a privilege to work with Drew and Shelley. I've told him whenever he needs me, I'll do my best. I didn't know if I was going to be able to or not, but I said, I'm going to prepare. And if I'm able to be there, I'll fill in for you because he had to get up early this morning. And uh, I know it's a hard trip and they worked hard today. So I'm going to do my best to do just a little teaching tonight. And I hope it will minister. How many believe that all the scripture is edifying to us? Even when we're reading about plagues, judgments, and things that don't seem good, we can learn valuable lessons from those things. Then on the other hand, I enjoy as I watch and read and study how that the Apostle Paul ministered to people that he had led to the Lord. He became their spiritual father. And he gave them sound advice. And they grew and became great men of God themselves. And so saying that, I'd like you to look with me into the book of Philemon. And I don't know how school teachers would pronounce that, but that's the way I pronounce Philemon. And there's only one chapter. I've always loved this passage of Scripture, and I still love it tonight. And I'd like just to teach a little while from Philemon chapter 1, and we'll just begin reading at verse 1 here tonight. The Bible said, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Uh, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to touch my lips and let me have the tongue of the learned, like Brother Burroughs prays. Let me say something, God, that will challenge our hearts. Let our ears hear what the Spirit would say. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the way the Apostle Paul always begins an epistle. He said, Paul... A servant of Jesus Christ in Romans 1. A servant, a bond slave. 
And in verse 1, he identifies who he is again as the Apostle Paul. And then he explained to them, I am a prisoner of Jesus. When we preach about being a servant, I told you the last time that I preached, a servant was a bond slave. Bond slaves, when they stayed with their masters long enough and loved their family and loved the work, they would commit to them for a lifetime and they'd take an awl and put a hole in their ear as a sign, as a mark. I belong to this man. Paul is still identifying as a prisoner of Jesus. He does not have freedom to do anything but to serve God. You know, I, I wonder what we would do in Greenbrier if we could all commit to the fact that we are prisoners of Jesus and have no leeway in our life. We have no rights to do anything but what God commands us to do. If we, if we ever come to that place as a church body, I'm telling you, the state of Arkansas will not know what to do with us because we're going to turn not only this city upside down, but the state and the nation upside down. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I go where he tells me to go. I speak what he tells me to speak. I live according to the convictions that he gives to me. I want to tell you, we all had better have some convictions to live by. We all need standards that we're going to live by. Not just in, in the presence of the pastors or in front of the deacon board or somebody you might want to impress. But we need to live at a standard that God has set in our hearts and our lives. Our language, our, our speech ought to be controlled by the Spirit. We ought not allow our minds to think those evil thoughts. And we certainly are not to speak evil of any man or any man. Uh, I, when, I, when I think about that, so many times pastors become the subject of a lot of gossip. And uh, we've heard things like uh, other preachers and other, uh, other singers. My, my daughter and son-in-law are visiting and they were telling me how that people have began to talk and gossip about them. And a friend of theirs said, well, don't worry about that because even Garth Brooks, and he's supposed to be a star. And there are people telling stories on him and gossiping about him. But, but it really happens to church people and to ministers. And so I always think back when people begin to speak evil of the preacher, they better watch out. I remember that when uh, Aaron... And his sister began to speak evil about Moses. And some of the people got upset because Moses had married someone out of their uh, family and circle of friends. But uh, what is her name? Miriam. Miriam contracted leprosy. 
We have to be careful. But we're a prisoner of Jesus, what we do, what we say, where we go. And we need to understand that we're not in this alone. We have brothers and sisters in the Lord. We work together. No one is going to work by themselves in the kingdom of God. It's impossible to work alone in the kingdom of God. Paul had Timothy as a helper. He also had Silas and Barnabas and many others. And we, we can read that those, those people that he influenced their lives and they, came, they became uh, fellow workers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this, this epistle is written to Philemon. And he quoted this, these few words, Our dearly beloved. Do you know you can't work for God? You can't preach the word. You can't teach the word. You can't pray for the lost until they become your dearly beloved. They may not look like you, act like you. They may not live their life in the style that you think they should. But I want to tell you, if you're going to minister to somebody... And Paul is going to minister to Philemon here in just a few verses. But he is making it very clear to anyone who reads this epistle that Philemon is dear to his heart. You can't stand in the pulpit and beat people over the head and say that you love them. You cannot criticize them and downgrade them and say they are dearly beloved. But you can tell them the truth. The Apostle Paul once said, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? You see, you ought to hold in high esteem those who have the, the courage and the strength and the boldness to tell you the truth. If they don't tell you the truth, how are you going to know the truth to, the believe, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved? He said, our brother unto Philemon. My goodness, I don't know why I'm having so much hard time tonight. And not only was he our dearly beloved, but fellow laborer. How many remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, there's one who's going to sow, and there's one who's going to water. Did I say that right? Anyway, you know, you know what I'm talking about. We are fellow laborers. Fellow laborers are working for the same purpose, for the same results. We're not each building our own kingdom. And if we are, we're in the wrong and we're not doing the work of God. But we are fellow workers, one with the other. But we're also co-workers and fellow workers with Jesus Christ. And so we are not working alone. If you have your own agenda, you need to change your agenda and become a fellow worker with Jesus Christ and follow His agenda. Pastors don't have their own agenda. 
Preachers don't have their own agenda. It's the agenda of God. God is not willing that any should perish. The black, the white, the Hispanic, the Asian. He is not willing that any person, any human being die lost and go to hell. And so he has called you and me to work with him to propagate the gospel of Jesus and to touch the lost and to win them by telling them the good news. Hallelujah. Now, Philemon was a co-laborer. The Bible scholars don't know in what capacity. They don't know if he was a fellow preacher. They don't know if he was a deacon. They don't know if he was an elder. They just said he was a fellow laborer. You know, sometimes it might be just the prayer warrior that we are in the church. Or it may be the doorman at the church. They don't know what Philemon was. They just knew he was a fellow laborer. And it doesn't matter your position. It may be low or it may be high. But in God's eyes, we're all the same. And he esteems us each one the same. Your work is as important as anyone else's. And so we must take care and do our duty and supply the, the need where it, is, where it is needed and do what God wants us to do. So here we have Philemon. We know he's a dearly beloved brother. He is a fellow laborer. And and then Paul also expresses to our beloved Aptheia, Aptheia and Archippus and our fellow soldier and to the church in thy house. They didn't have beautiful synagogues or beautiful tabernacles or sanctuaries like we have today. Most of their houses were flat roofs. But when I begin to study and begin to read about this, the commentary said that Philemon's wife was at fear. She was the wife, but she was included in his ministry. Do you know, my wife and I have been married for 60 years. I began preaching when I was 17 and married her when I was 18. But we have traveled these United States over 30 years, over 25 states, over a million miles. But she was my co-worker, my co-labor, my co-prayer warrior. She was also the one that gave of what we had that the gospel might continue. You see, you can't ever count anybody as not important. His wife was important. And then the commentary say that history tells us and, and the tradition says that Archippus was the pastor of the church well it's kind of like that here tonight here's the pastor over here and he's our chippus and tonight I'm just acting like Philemon. I'm just kind of be a scotch, a helper. I'm a co-laborer here tonight. But that's what we all are. And together, I believe we can get the work of God done. We are co-soldiers. We're not in a resort. We're not here to be entertained. But we are preparing for a battle each and every day of life. That's why he called him a fellow soldier. A fellow soldier that is prepared for the battle. Prepared for the enemy. Prepared to win. How many know that tonight and tomorrow you're going to face your arch enemy? 
That's not easy. It's not your wife, your husband, or anybody you can name. Your arch enemy is a spirit being. He is Satan. He's an outcast of heaven. Listen to me tonight. We are fellow soldiers. We take orders only from the one commander. But I want to tell you, we are victorious through him. And we're going to continue to be victorious through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 is such an important verse of scripture. And I appreciate it. It says, grace to you. Philemon, grace be to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sister Metz and I, right after Sunday school, we talked just a little bit. And we'd been talking about grace. And I asked her, I said, have you ever looked, looked up the word grace? And of course, we all know what grace is, right? Tell me. Unmerited favor. But it also means something more than that. It says, graciousness, gratifying of manner or act, abstract of concrete, literal, figurative, or spiritual. Now notice this. Especially the divine influence upon the heart. Especially the divine influence upon the heart. Grace. I know I'm saved by grace. They used to sing the song, Saved by grace. And surely we are. No other way but by grace. The unmerited favor of God. Who so loved Desiree that He gave Jesus. Grace, unmerited favor. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, I can't deserve grace. That's unmerited favor, but not only unmerited favor, but all that grace, it has so much more. Here it is, God is saying, He wants to impart into my life, into my ministry, into my body, His divine influence. He wants to love me like no one else has ever loved me. He wants to care for me like no one is able to care for me. He wants to walk with me through the darkest valleys and the roughest mountains, through every sickness and every disease, through poverty and riches. He wants to impart to me, Sister Alma, comfort when we lose a loved one. He wants to have divine influence in my life. Amen. Have you ever had someone to influence you? Used to, it was really prevalent when I began to preach. Young preachers imitated their pastors. If they had a, a favorite saying, like, uh, come on somebody, you know. I personally do not like that, but. I told Taylor, I said, you don't need to fill in with it like that. you got plenty to say. Just preach, you know. But, but we are influenced. 
We're influenced in our singing. We're influenced in a lot. We, we adapt hairdos. I'm telling you, I don't know where that Cardin got his idea and influence to have that blonde hair. But I'm sure glad it's going to be over someday. But, but God wants to impart to Nick, goodness, divine influence. And he wants you to in turn to influence somebody else with that same divine love, mercy, compassion. God wants you to deliver divine influence. You say, oh, I can't. I'm not God. God in you can. Somebody shout amen. His divine divine influence upon the heart. And then... It's reflection in the life. Brother Nick does not do drugs. Kim doesn't do drugs like they used to. You know why? Divine influence. Divine influence. I tell you, I don't want to be influenced by our society. I do not want to, I don't want to think like them. I don't want to talk like them. I don't want to dress like them. I want to do all I can do to look in the image of God. I want, when people see me, I don't want them to see my body. I want them to see Jesus in me. I want that divine influence in me that when I walk into a store, they say, Reverend, what do you need today? You know, it's happened to me before. I want it to happen again. I want divine influence so spectacular that people recognize God in my life. Hmm, Reflection in my life. Thank you so much. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's almost 7.30. I don't know what time you want me to quit. But but I'm just teaching tonight. So next time I can just pick up from here. But tonight. I want you to think about Philemon. Somewhere. The Apostle Paul. Ministered to him. Whatever Philemon became. And whatever his wife became, and Archippus became, was the the direct result of the divine influence that God had put in the life of Paul. Amen? Amen? Think about the Apostle Paul for just a minute. That divine influence, that grace of God caused the Apostle Paul to give up everything, everything. His position as a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jewish people, he gave it up. He gave up what favor that he had. He gave up 
what riches he might attain. He counted everything as loss that he might gain Christ. Uh, You can't give up too much to gain Christ. If you give it all up. But that divine influence caused Paul to be faithful in much and in little. He said, I know how to be content when I'm abounding and when I'm not. When I'm having to work with my hands to make a living so I can preach, I know how to abound. He said, it's worth it to me because of his influence on my life. He was faithful. He endured. I don't know anybody in the Bible who endured any more than the Apostle Paul. Shipwrecked three times. I don't know how many times he was in prison. Beaten five times. Shipwrecked at least twice and spent a day and a night in the water. Snake bit. Rejected. You know... He endured. And I got to believe that if the influence of grace on his life caused him to be faithful and to endure, then that same grace, well, God told Jesus that my grace is sufficient for you. My influence is enough for you. Then on top of that, The Apostle Paul was faithful, he endured, but he was a man of godly power. Drew mentioned a while ago when when Shelly was singing that song, I sought the Lord and, and he heard me. I thought, most important, that whole course, I sought the Lord. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that other things are not important. But we've got to seek God. Paul sought the Lord in power. He came to the churches at Corinth especially where he said, I come to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the spirit and the power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, church, we've got to come back to the point where we have Received the divine influence to the power of God is in our lives. That our words are powerful. That they convict sinners and they comfort the saints. With that, I'm going to stop. And I hope tonight, because I believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration. And I believe all Scripture is good to edify. And to build up. I believe these three verses of scripture. There's enough there for you to grow spiritually fat. Alright. I don't want to be fat again. I used to weigh 258 pounds. I weighed 177 pounds last time I weighed. But Desiree... I'd love to be fat in God. I would love 
to take on more of God's personality and the things that God finds useful for our community. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. God, I thank you that you let me help Drew out tonight. Lord, I hope I didn't let anybody down. But I hope, Lord, I pray, God, that they'll go home and rehearse these verses of Scripture. Let them feast. Grow fat. In what your word has to say to us. And as we labor, Lord. Together for you and your kingdom. Let us always. Give you the glory. And the honor. And the praise. God make us. What we ought to be. By your grace. And your divine influence. I pray it all. In Jesus mighty name.